Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you today. You're so good to us. Thank you for being with us, being for us. You're not against us. You're on our side, and you give us the victory. Lord, you give us what it takes to live victorious in this life. Thank you for forgiveness of sins, for eternal life, that we're filled with your Spirit. We ask you today to speak to our hearts. Give us what's right and necessary for today. May each one have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts open and receptive in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, John chapter 8 and verse 31. It says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. What if you don't abide in his word? You are not his disciple indeed. You could be saved, but you're not a disciple indeed. Verse 32, and, in other words, if you do that, you shall know the truth. And what happens if you know the truth? Then the truth shall make you free. If you don't know the truth, you will stay in bondage, stay bound up. But if you know the truth, it will produce freedom in your life. Like we've said before, I'll say it again. If there is bondage in our lives, it is because we don't know the truth. Sometimes we know the truth just in an intellectual way. In other words, we could tell you or uh, declare what the truth is or someone could declare the truth and we could say, "Uh uh-huh, I agree with that. But we don't really know it. When it comes to a heart level knowledge and understanding, freedom is the natural result. Okay, And so this is something we can all increase and progress in. That is a greater understanding, revelation of the knowledge of truth. And it will produce freedom. And if you've ever been bound by anything, you know freedom. There's something special about that word. To be free from sickness. To be free from sin. From habits. To be free from poverty. To be free from mental oppression. To be free from depression, huh? Makes all the difference in the world. Change our lives forever when we're free. Praise God. And we're going to get freer and freer as we know more truth. We've been given to you the last few weeks keys to understanding. Remember that? If you've missed any of the last number of weeks, you can get all of this material um, online on our website and you can get it for free alright if you want a CD we'll sell it to you at a cheap price but if you want to listen to these messages and get caught up it would be well worth your time okay burn your own CDs or put it on your iPod listen to it in the car however however you want to do it and get caught up especially last week's message and this week's message they go together alright they go hand in hand alright so we've been giving you keys to understanding number one we said is the new birth you must be born again to see the kingdom. Number two, we said you must have a love of the truth. Number three, we said a willing heart is necessary. Number four, we said faith is a key to understanding. Number five, humility. Number six, I think I accidentally left this one out of my review last week. Number six is walking in the light that you have. You have to do something with what you've already been given if you want more. That's just a key in the kingdom. Okay, and then number seven is an understanding heart. 
And this is where we're at. We want to pick up now from last time. An understanding heart. If I am going to see more and understand more, I must have in place the foundation of the right kind of heart in me. I must have an understanding heart and then it almost works like a magnet. It draws the blessing. It draws manifestations of the miraculous. It draws truth into my life that produces freedom. But if I can get this established, oh, I tell you what, it'll make everything easier. Everything. I'll be a lot better preacher than you think. I am right now. Teacher. Why? Because when I speak the word, you'll see it. And ultimately, it wasn't because I got better. It's because your heart became different. And you'll read the Word and think, man, this is better than ever before. What's going on with this? This, this, is, this is amazing. I love this. i got to have more. You ever read a good book and it so captivated you, you had to get back to it? Got to get to the next chapter because it hooked you at the end of the chapter. Got to read the next one, you know, or, or watch uh, 24 on TV. <laughs> Oh, what else to say that? Is that not a Christian show? <laughs> and you knew at the end of the one you had to watch the next one. Because <laughs> it just took you. Well, the Word of God, when it's coming alive to you, you're drawn, you can't wait. And I hear this testimony. People get turned on, excited about God's Word. They can't wait to get to church. They can't wait to read the Bible again. Could it really be that way in our lives? Absolutely. When our eyes are seeing when our ears are hearing what the Spirit says, it changes everything about how we understand. Now, uh, I want you to look at Mark chapter 10. An understanding heart. We showed you last week and continue again today now uh, how that uh, if our heart is sensitive, if it is tender, it is soft towards the miraculous, towards the works of God, towards the Word of God and His promises, it makes them easy. It makes them easily received. But if we have a hard heart, if we have become calloused over, become dull, uh, what it does is when God does something, we forget about it the next day. We hear a good message in church or read a good scripture and the next day we can't remember what we read because our heart is not in a condition to retain the things of the Lord. But we can adjust this. Okay, we haven't gotten to that yet, but we can make changes. But understand, the reason many don't uh, receive their prayers answered. They have a hard time getting healed or getting the miraculous to be on display through them for other people is because of hard-heartedness. And most of the time, they didn't even choose it. But through neglect, through some other things that weren't done, the cares of this world, all kinds of stuff came in and hardened them towards God's business. And this is what we can change. And, uh, you know, we, we were talking to you at the uh, end of last week's message about Pharaoh and how he was, uh, had a very hard heart. Hard, 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 hard. And it made him do some ridiculous things things that just didn't make any sense and we look at that word um, hardness from the Greek language in the Strong's Concordance and one of the things it meant was that a person is rendered stupid remember that understand what this means though it doesn't mean that someone with a high IQ can't be called stupid 
in the context of which we're using it. Okay, You may be a very intelligent, high IQ, lots of letters after your name, lots of degrees, and you're still dumb as a rock. <laughs> Why? Because a hard-hearted condition will blind you to making right decisions and choices and seeing what's a reality. It doesn't mean that just from a physiological, mental, brain power standpoint that you're dumb. You know, you might be very intelligent, okay? But a very intelligent person can still be stupid by biblical terms. Amen. And so I want to, avo- I want to avoid that. You know, and you may, maybe your IQ is kind of low. But if you have eyes to see, man, you can succeed. And you can walk in the miraculous and the supernatural provision of God. It's available to you. Okay, in Mark chapter 10, take a look at this. This is just a related, interesting um, side effect to the heart's condition. The Pharisees came, Mark 10, 2, and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Testing him. And he answered and said to them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce to dismiss her. And Jesus answered and said to them, Because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. He went on to talk about how from the beginning it wasn't that way. And man and woman would become one flesh. And what God joins, man shouldn't separate. But notice the reason he gave why it was written in the law that a man could divorce his wife. Because of a hard heartedness in other words if a person did not have a hard heart divorce would be unnecessary he said he wrote this because you guys are probably you know I'm adding this part but uh, you guys are going to kill each other if we didn't allow some kind of relief but it was because of the condition of your heart that that provision was put in there with a soft tender-hearted, open-hearted person, divorce is not necessary. I think this is pretty amazing because we're looking at some of these things and we're thinking, man, if I got to get rid of this hard-hearted business in me so I can get my prayers answered, so I can get my body healed, so God's power can flow through me to reach another person and change another life. And in the middle of all this, guess what we get as a byproduct? A better marriage. Because if you can remove a hard heart from yourself, you'll be a better husband, you'll be a better wife, a better parent, better friend, better everything. Okay? This has so many side perks that we just really have to have this. This is really important. And so we, uh, you know, there was provision again made in the Old Testament because of the condition of people's hearts. And uh, what what causes a hard heart, though? That'd be a good question to, to, to answer. What causes a hard heart in a person? Hebrews chapter 3 is what we want to look at. Hebrews chapter 3. And let's read over here in verse 7. It's a good idea to bring your Bible. If you don't normally do it, start. Uh, and it'll help you. Hebrews 3, verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial 
in the wilderness. Talking about Israel coming out of Egypt into the promised land, how they hardened their hearts. But I want you to notice the very first point is what causes a hardened heart? You do. You do. You cause your own heart to be hard. There's different things that a person does, but let us not just say, well, I didn't have any choice in the matter. I didn't decide to do anything. It wasn't anything that I did. Yes, it is. If my heart is hard at all towards the Lord, that's not something that He did to me. Okay? If I'm hardened towards the move of God and the miraculous things that take place, that's not something that He did. It's something that I did. Okay? And if I can harden it, I can turn it around too. I can soften it. And so this is something that begins with us. Uh, Verse 9, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said they will always go astray in their heart. Why? Because it's hard. And they have not known my ways. Why haven't they known his ways? Because they have hard hearts. So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. Well, why not? Because they have hard hearts. <laughs> Does hardness of heart keep us out of any of God's provision and blessing? Yeah, we showed you last week a specific scripture that dealt with healing. And the connection it has with a person's heart. He said, beware then, beware brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Notice that unbelief is called by the Lord evil. And this is all related to an evil heart of unbelief is a hard heart. You know what? Sometimes people have trouble believing is because a hardness of heart keeps their faith from working. Someone said, I believe what you're saying, but it's not working for me. That's because you have a hard heart. There's a reason why prayers aren't being answered. You're not able to quickly receive and, and grab hold of what God has. It's not because it's God's will. It's not because the devil's too big. It's because of the... Uh, the callousness that has been developed in our own hearts. It's got this shell around it and our faith can't get out. Hmm. Remember, remember Mark eleven twenty three says that if we would believe, no, if we would speak to the mountain, da, 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 and not doubt in our hearts, but believe the things that we say will come to pass, we'll have whatever we say. Faith comes from the heart. You know, Romans 10 also tells us that, that with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation this faith is a heart issue but if it gets crusted over and it gets hardened to where our faith can operate you'll wonder well why in the world isn't my faith working well faith works but your unbelief is in the way amen and that's standing at the doorway of your heart keeping things from from working and coming out okay so it's an evil heart of unbelief who had that those who were hardened towards God. He said, but in verse 13, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened, look at this, through the deceitfulness of sin. What hardens a person? Sin does. Number one, you're taking notes, you do. Number two, sin does. The deceitfulness of sin causes a person to have a hard heart. Now, here's the deal. You can't live in sin and have a heart that is sensitive towards God at the same time. They're just incompatible. All right? Here's what we need to understand about this. 
This doesn't mean that if I commit a sin and I'm living for God and I blow it and I sin and I repent that my heart is hard. In fact, that is what will keep a person from getting a hard heart. Because there's not a person in who in here who never blows it, who never falls short or misses the mark. But what they do at that point will determine whether their heart gets hard or their heart gets soft. Okay? But sin is very deceitful. If I resist and I do wrong and I, you know, the Lord deals with me about it, I feel convicted about it and I kind of, uh, no, that's just the way I'm going to live. I'm going to do that. And I ignore that pulling back where the Lord pulls me back because of His great love. I ignore that. My heart gets a little harder. And it happens again, and I ignored it. My heart gets a little harder, and it starts getting crusty. <laughs> starts getting, it gets tough. It gets insensitive. Until after a while, I can do all kinds of stuff. I can do things that years ago I never would have considered. But now I do them, and it hardly bothers me. What am I talking about things? Talking about sin. I can sin. Are there Christians that sin, and it doesn't seem to bother them? Yeah, but it didn't get there overnight. It took a while of ignoring the voice, of resisting the pull of God's love. And they got harder and harder until now it's almost like, well, they look just like a heathen. But that's what we've got to avoid. And even in a person who has come to that place, they can reverse that trend. Okay? You can reverse it and start heading towards a soft, understanding heart today. All right? But sin is something that it gets in the way. Uh, Hebrews 12 Verse 14 talks about how we should pursue peace and holiness. And it, and it goes on to say, for without this, no one, no one will see the Lord. And so how does my life, how I live, relate to seeing? Well, if I pursue holiness in my life, I'm keeping a tender heart. This doesn't mean, again, that a person has to do everything perfect and everything right, or otherwise they'll never have a soft and tender heart towards the Lord. That's not true. That's not the case at all. We're, we need to understand we're still under grace. And it's not a person who does everything right where they earn a standing with God, and now they've got a right heart, and now they've got a heart sensitive towards Him. No, that about works, about grace, about receiving by grace. But what must be in place is our desire to live for Him. Whether we do it all right or not, that's not the issue. We, we, we desire to and we, we endeavor to, but if we miss it and fall short of the mark, we, we, we 1 John 1, 9 it, don't we? Confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive, and our heart is unaffected in a negative way. Yeah, you can have it. Praise God. So a person who just came to the Lord recently, they don't know a whole lot of stuff, haven't been walked, they probably trip up more than someone who's been walking with the Lord for years. They probably fall into sin more. But you know they can still have a tender heart. Amen. And the person who's been living for God 50 years, they, can be, they should be, if we do this right, should be more sensitive than ever. And ever to where God can whisper and we'll hear it. You know how sometimes people will say, I would never do this. I mean... God would have to speak to me through a megaphone to ever get me to go here or to do this. That's not a good thing to say. Are you listening? What that's saying is we're kind of hardened towards God if He doesn't say something that we like. 
if we doesn't say something that we already agree with and want to do. That's a sign of hardness of heart. Here's a better thing to say, even if you don't feel like it's right (laughs) with you, begin to exercise your faith this way. God could whisper to me, and I would hear his voice. Because he is so important to me, and I value so much everything that he said. He doesn't have to shake me and rock my world before I'll listen. He could just whisper to me. He could wink at me from across the room, and I'd understand what he's thinking. Hmm? You know how husbands and wives sometimes learn that you can communicate, and, and uh, you can communicate with your kids sometimes. <laughs> you don't have to say a thing, just a look, and they know, ooh. did something wrong (laughs) I want to be that way with the Lord and if he wants to speak to me audibly great I like visions dreams and all this kind of stuff expect it but if he wants to speak to me real quiet my heart's sensitive enough and tender enough to hear that and I can be that way if I want to it's really up to me it's not up to the Lord it's all about God's call no no it's all about what we do it's about how we respond to what happens to us in life. Okay? So, number two, again, the deceitfulness of sin is something that causes a hard heart. And, and then number three, number three, this is real important. It is uh, not considering what God has done. It's not considering what God has done. Here's where I want you to go back to Mark chapter 6. When I say go back, it's because we were there last week. Mark chapter 6, you remember the story without us rehearsing too much. Jesus was used in in an amazing miracle, feeding the 5,000 loaves of fish, and loaves and fish were multiplied to feed uh, a huge crowd right before their eyes. Immediately after that, uh, they were sent to the other side of the, the sea there, and uh, there was a great storm. Jesus came walking, would have walked right past him. He came walking by. And the disciples, once Jesus came into the boat, they were amazed. They were shocked. And Jesus wasn't happy about it. We're not supposed to be amazed at the miraculous. We're not supposed to be <gasps> shocked at the supernatural and think, wow. But too many times it's uncommon in our lives because we don't consider what God has already said and done. And, and this is where you're there in Mark 6 in verse 52. It said, for they had not understood, or as some translations say, and I like this, they, they didn't consider about the loaves because their heart was hardened. They weren't considering what had already happened because of that when God started to do something else they looked at it with glazed eyes what is this he's walking on the water ah i can't believe it this is amazing no it's not it's normal and jesus expected them to see it that way he multiplied the fish and the loaves right before their eyes. The next impossible situation should have been approached in faith. They should, have di- they should have seen that and thought, oh yeah, there's Jesus walking on the water. He multiplies the loaves, walks on the water, casts out demons. Oh, here we go. This is normal. But we have, like I've said before, we have become accustomed to nothing happening. 
And when something big happens, it's like, oh, wow. And that's wrong. Come on now. This is a bunch of junk for the body of Christ to be living that way. Saved by His power. Washed in His blood. Given eternal life. And living so natural and carnal. Expecting nothing outside of what human minds can think up. And what natural man can do. That is a disgrace. That is not the way the church of the Lord Jesus Christ ought to be living. And we have become hardened just like they did to the miraculous and the things of God. And it's time this stuff stop. And we, these hard hearts that have come to pass and come to place in our beings need to be softened and need to be uh, changed so that we can walk with the Lord in the supernatural. If you look back at verse 6. Mark chapter 6. Did I tell you that? Yeah. And verse 45. Now this is right after the multiplication of the loaves and the fish. It says, Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he sent the multitude away. I think it's interesting the first part of this says he made his disciples get into the boat. Why did he have to make them? Other translations use some stronger words. He compelled them. He, uh, what does it say? What is constrained them to go? Instead of we'll see you guys on the other side. Go ahead and get in the boat and go. No, he had to make them do it. Well, it doesn't give us all the details of why that would take place. We can speculate a little bit because these people were, uh, were fishermen and they knew about weather and, and, and the sea and that particular sea there, the weather could come in very, very quickly and cause quick storms and they had learned to, of course, predict to some degree and, and I would imagine they looked at the conditions of the, the weather and the sea and thought, hmm. I don't know about going across right now. This doesn't look like a good idea. This doesn't look like a wise thing to do. But of course, you know, the master's speaking, so he made them. And so they did do it. And they were right, weren't they? They were right by not wanting to quickly go across. But here, here, here's the issue. What were they considering? They considered what they saw. They considered their circumstances. They weren't considering the loaves and the fish and the command of Jesus that they should go across at that moment. Had they been considering what the Lord had said and the, what the Lord had just done in the miraculous way, they would have said, go across, storm, big whoop de doo If it's the will of God that I go across, what am I doing looking at the weather? What am I doing looking at the storm? Now, other than that, is it wise to look at the weather? I would think so. But not when the Lord speaks. When the Lord says, go across, the weather now becomes insignificant. Because what I'm doing is going to be the will of God, and I'm either going to consider what the Lord said, or I'm going to consider why I can't do it. I'm going to look at everything around that says, don't do it, you can't do it, you don't have enough money, you don't have enough smarts, you don't have enough wisdom, you don't have enough people, you don't have enough of any of these things. And uh, what are you going to consider? What does the Lord say about our circumstances? And this determines whether we're going to be hard towards the Lord or hard towards the world. Hard towards the circumstances that contradict what the Lord says. 
And so they looked. Their senses told them one thing. The Lord told them another thing. Amen. What are we considering? I'm telling you, if we're considering the wrong thing, it's going to produce hardness towards the Lord. If we're always thinking natural, a natural solution, a natural remedy to everything we have and everything we do. If I immediately think about how can someone else fix this for me? Who's got a lot of money? Where's the best doctor? What's a solution? Who can I look to to fix this for me? Then that's where I'm going to go. Oftentimes people live with too often. They have, you know, because they're a Christian, the Lord is first, hopefully. He's plan A. But if it doesn't work, then thank God for plan B. And plan C, if that doesn't work, and plan D, and plan... And they've got all these things they're going to rely on if it doesn't work. How many know that's not faith? Now, I realize what I'm saying here is can be kind of hard and difficult because the life we're called to live is supernatural and your flesh doesn't want to do it. I'm telling you, my flesh wants to live naturally where I can see everything ahead of time, feel everything, but it doesn't want to live by faith. But this is what we're called to do. And if we want to be sensitive to the things of God, it's going to take some faith to do it. But many times people, you know, we minister to the sick. People come to the healing meetings. Great stuff happening. But sometimes people, th- they, they know, I'm going to do this. But if this doesn't work, then I'm going to go somewhere else. And they've already got plan B in place in case God's word doesn't work. And can I tell you something? It's not going to work. We've often had thoughts and discussions with people uh, who minister overseas and in third world nations, in Africa and in different parts of the world, who do big crusade meetings. Uh, you know, I guess crusade is probably not the best word to use anymore, but <laughs> people used to call them that. Uh, do big evangelistic type meetings. And, uh, and people get saved by the hundreds of thousands. And the miraculous just happens right and left. Not uncommon for dead people to be raised. And I read about these reports, read about some of them. I think it was yesterday. About some amazing things happening. Dead people being raised. And, and uh, the miraculous crippled people walking. And just uh, everything you can think of. Happening, it seems, with the greatest of ease. In fact, I've... Uh, I remember talking with, with someone that they went, they were on a missions deal uh, years ago to the Philippines, and they went to some of the islands. Philippines is a gazillion islands, right? Where's my Filipino friends? There you go. And there's just uh, uh, lots of, of islands all around there. And they went and did some outreaches on, in some of these islands, and they were saying, we'd pray with people to get saved. Before we get that done with the prayer, you know, we're finishing up. They were baptized with the Holy Spirit without asking. And they were healed in their body without even us even praying about it. And it was just like things would just happen. And, uh, and then many have come to the States and thought, well, why doesn't it work here? God's the same. <laughs> the devil's the same. Uh, God's Word is the same. But, it, you know, I know we can get things happen here. We, we do. 
miraculous happens, but can we have more? Certainly. But here's one condition that is present many times in some of these meetings in other countries. No plan B. They're not thinking, I'm going to this, and if this doesn't work, then, well, I've got a specialist that I'm going to see. And, you know, hopefully they can take care of it. And see, this is where people get nervous because they think, oh, you're against the doctors. Not against the doctors. But you do have to watch out because they could kill you. (laughs) Not intentionally. Say, why do you say that? I know people could take that wrong too. I'm just, I think we need to reverse our mentality sometimes. Because I am not against the medical profession at all. Uh, Not in the least bit. But here's the deal. Sometimes people say, if you talk that way, since someone doesn't have plan B, and they just say, God's going to heal me, and if God doesn't heal them, then they could die. I don't know about you, but I've known quite a few people who died in the hospital. Why don't we ever say, you're not going to go up... You're not going to have surgery, are you? Sometimes people go have surgery and they die. Yet they're so afraid of it happening in church, but not afraid of it happening in the hospital. All right, I'm going to let some of you think about that. If you want to be mad at me, go ahead. Think I'm a religious fanatic or, or something. I'm telling you, what we consider is what we're open to. And if I'm considering only that God is going to come through for me and He is faithful. He did it before. He'll do it again. He said it in His Word. And he'll bring it to pass in my life. And I open my mind up to no further, no further suggestions. Then I've softened my heart towards God and it's easy to receive. Man, cancer is puny. Scoliosis of the spine can be snapped back into place in a second. With the greatest of ease. We're talking about Almighty God here. And so we must not limit the power of God and His availability to us to do things in us and do things through us because we're always looking at the storm. Always looking at the natural side to determine our course of action. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's look at two more things and we'll finish. Hebrews chapter 11. Praise God. Our staff went yesterday and we heard uh, Casey Treat minister. And uh, he said he was anointed to make people mad. So (laughs) I guess I'm taking permission. (laughs) We're talking about Abraham here now. Abraham, how we know who he was? Great man of faith. Someone we can follow. Had the miraculous take place in his life. God sent him out from his, where he lived to go in a place he didn't know where to go. Look at this in verse, verse 15 of Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11:15, And truly if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. Notice that phrase, if they had called to mind. We could say it this way. If they had considered. If they had considered where they came out, it would have opened a door, an opportunity for them to go back. 
But having not considered it, it was never a temptation. They never had an idea, an opportunity to go back to it. And what we consider, again, gives us opportunity to go there. And if I will consider every day and every night the works of God, if I'll consider His promises and what He has done, it will do a work in my heart to cause it to become soft and tender and sensitive to His works. And I see the miraculous. It'll be no surprise. It'll be, uh, you know, it'll be just the way things are. And if something doesn't happen, (gasps) I'm shocked because I'm hardened to anything else but sensitive and soft towards the Lord. And so his chance to return to Ur of Chaldees would have been linked to what he was thinking and what we put our minds on, what we meditate on, what we think about, what we consider. Are we going to consider the fish and the loaves or are we going to consider the storm? And I'm not talking about just in the middle of a test or a, or a, a battle. Of course it's true then. I'm talking about living our lives this way so that we're continually open to the Lord's work and we'll hear Him and we'll understand quickly what He's saying. Let's finish in Romans 4. Praise God. Romans, the fourth chapter. Abraham was such a strong person of faith because he controlled his mind. He held in check what he considered. He only considered certain options. And when something came before him, there are certain things he just didn't consider. Therefore, he couldn't be tempted with it. Therefore, he couldn't go that way. Look at this. Romans 4, 18. says, Who contrary to hope in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And being not weak in faith, he did not consider his own body, already dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving the glory of God. Why was he strengthened in faith? Why did he not waver at the promise of God through unbelief? Simply because he didn't consider the condition of his physical body. If he would have, no Isaac. Because he looked at himself. He's a hundred. You don't have babies when you're a hundred. Especially with a wife that's barren. No babies. But he didn't even consider that. That's amazing to me. Shouldn't be amazing to me. But is that he didn't even consider it. He didn't sit down with Sarah and say, you know, Sarah, you're old. <laughs> I'm old. And this thing, you know, it's really never worked. <laughs> We've been trying to get you pregnant forever. They never had that conversation. According to the word, they never considered. He never considered his own body. That means every time he thought about it, the only thing he thought about was what God had said. Every time he thought about it, the only thing he thought about was what God said. He considered, and he looked at the stars. You can read about it back there. Looked at the stars and thought, my descendants. Looked at the sand, my descendants. That's all he considered. What are we looking at? 
What are we considering? That determines the condition of our heart. Think about the fish. Think about the loaves. And storms are no problem. Walking on the water, it's just another miracle. It's just as, it's no bigger miracle than multiplying the fish and the loaves. Just a different kind. Hmm? Has, has the Lord ever said something or ministered to you or met a need? Did something miraculous for you? Ever, in any way. Ever. Well, it's just the same stuff. The power comes from the same source. So the next thing looks a little bit different. Big whoop de doo Don't consider it. Only consider what the Lord has said and what the Lord has done. And it will change the way you respond to Him. Amen. Praise God. We can, get, we can get there. This doesn't change overnight. No button to push. No lever to pull. No magic. Woo. No casting out of the hard hearts. But this can happen. And it can start today in many of us. Amen. I don't mean we're all hard as a rock. But I mean, I think there, there's issues. There's things that all of us need to be more sensitive to when it comes to the Lord. And we can change this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up. I'm not going to leave you stranded there. And uh, I left you stranded all week, and I feel bad about it. <laughs> and I've only thrown you a rope now. <laughs> And next time, we're going to start pulling you up uh, by, by getting into some more of this. And it's really going really to help to see some practical things on how your heart can be changed. Someone said, my heart was changed when I was saved. I'm not talking about your spirit being born again, if you haven't noticed. Okay? We'll do that in a second. Okay? But I'm talking about the believer and, how they, and, and what we consider and what that produces inside of us. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you today. Thank you for being with us. You're for us. Thank you for being on our side. Lord, and helping us, uh, helping us to see, to understand, have clear insight and understanding of everything you say, of everything you do, so that we can receive from you without hindrance, without any kind of problem standing in the way we open up ourselves to you now everybody put your minds on the Lord Lord we consider your ways we consider your word and your works and we thank you that they work in us now the miraculous the supernatural the ever living presence of the living God your peace your comfort that you bring knowing that tomorrow is going to be better than today and next week will be better than this week and next month will be better than this month and next year will be better than this year we're coming up but we're putting our minds on you keeping our minds stayed upon the Lord and I thank you for what that produces in us now Lord, we honor you. We bless you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, I pray for any person today that's never been saved.